Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. Of course, I'm joined by Harley. Harley Schultz, how are you doing, sir? Oh, um, I'm just waking up to see that Matt Breda is playing tonight, yeah, yeah. despite having injuries to every part of his body, including every internal organ. And somehow or another, he's already scored a touchdown. Didn't somebody call him soft last week? And I was like, no way. Or did I see something? I said, I said I saw somebody on Twitter maybe called him soft or something like that. Okay, let me tell you, I, I know soft because I live here in Minnesota and I've been watching Delvin Cook, uh, who after his injury in week, uh, I believe week one or week two, came out and said, oh, I'm just fine. I, I could have come back into the game without any problem, who has now proceeded to miss every single snap since then. So I, I know a little bit about soft. Uh, Matt Breda literally has internal injuries right now, and he's on the field scoring touchdowns and breaking tackles. Yeah. Wow. So I have started Breda every week except this week because I really thought he was doubtful. I didn't think he was going to play, and I didn't want to take the chance. Um, so I wound up picking up Ito Smith. Eh, okay, and I had to start Alfred, Mar- and I started Alfred Morris in place of um, Matt, which I guess I could have done a switch late when I heard he was going to be active, but I was still worried. Um, and quite honestly, I eat dinner before we record, which is right before the game, and sometimes food is more important than putting in somebody else in your fantasy lineup. You might uh, be regretting it now because I'm pretty sure that Alfred Morris hasn't seen the field yet today. Uh, it's been Brita and Jusix caught a couple passes, and even Raheem Mostert has been in carrying the ball, but I I personally I don't think I've seen Morris have with a carry yet. That's wonderful. Gotta love it. Well, you know what? I've been talking about tough players. Uh, you can also look across to the uh, Washington side where uh, Adrian Peterson managed to play through what, by all accounts, has to be a completely separated shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Well, we already know he's not human. Exactly. The, the bionic knee and everything from a couple of years coming back and running for 200-plus yards in his first game back off of uh, an ACL. I mean... <laughs> yeah, and then run for 2,000-plus. He should have broke the record, yep. honestly. So, yeah, we know he's a freak, and... You know, it's you have to wonder though: is this just is it something that's in their genes, or are they getting shot up and they just have higher pain, to- pain tolerance? In any event, some of these guys are true warriors, and then other guys get stuff in their head. Um, I'll say this: I probably shouldn't say this out loud. Josh Doxson, guy injured his rookie year, right? A lot of people considered him a bust. He sure has done nothing this year to help him himself. What I know from somebody inside the Redskins organization, or I should say that's affiliated or knows somebody in the Redskins organization, is that Doxson was sent to a psychiatrist 
or a psychologist, one of the two, whichever one it is, he had much of what he was dealing with was in his head. Um, and they felt that he got right and he was going to be okay and be able to perform. But his injury that lingered was more mental than physical. Well, you know, I think that's the case in some some people just never quite get over that sort of thing. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, there's, there's some people, and I think something might come up in today's news articles, a little hint, hint, wink, wink to the upcoming segment, uh, about uh, mystery ailments and injuries. Yeah. I'll, I, you know what? I'm interested. You piqued my interest. I'm just going to say nice chatting with Mr. Schultz on the, on the preview here, but I'm going to throw it over to him for this week's BPN News. Thank you, Steve. Ryan Tannehill came down with a mystery ailment in his shoulder Sunday morning. To get a better understanding of Tannehill's injury, I immediately went to the world's top site for medical diagnoses, WebMD. Upon entering the symptoms that Tannehill was reporting, BPN News can report with 100% certainty that Tannehill did in fact come down with a case of colitis. The Denver Broncos allowed a 200-yard rusher for the second consecutive week. When asked about what his team must do better next week, Vance Joseph replied that Case Keenum needed to perform better. Upon hearing that comment, I quickly reminded Joseph that Keenum did not play on defense. His response, what game are you watching? Keenum competes at least three passes to the defense each and every week. Kelvin Ridley will undergo an MRI Monday to check on an ankle injury he sustained early Sunday. In that very same game, Mohamed Sanu also suffered a hip injury. After the game, we asked Dan Quinn if the injuries to Ridley and Sanu might mean actual red zone targets for Julio Jones next week. Quinn responded immediately by guaranteeing us that if Ridley and Sanu missed the game, that Justin Hardy, Marvin Hall, and Russell Gage would all catch touchdowns next week. (laughs) Jason Myers became the eighth kicker in league history to record seven successful field goals in one game. Currently, Tennessee's Rob Baronis sits alone atop of the field with eight to hold the record. If you faced Myers, then you lost this week. Also, If you face Myers, slap your commissioner upside the head and tell him to dump kickers because it is an abhorrently stupid category to have in fantasy football. (laughs) And finally, Marcus Mariota was sacked more times than he completed a pass Sunday. Early in the second half, the Tennessee faithful were chanting for Blaine Gabbert. By the end of the third quarter, Marcus Mariota had joined them in chanting for Blaine Gabbert. This has been your BPN News update. Very good. Hey, um, going back to the first bit when you said you went to the preeminent place for um, injury news, you said WebMD. That's not what I was expecting. I thought for sure you were going to say TMZ. That would work, too. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I couldn't get a hold of Dr. David Chow that early on Sunday morning. So, Well... <laughs> And then you, 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 you kind of threw me for a loop. I thought you were honestly going a different route, not Tannehill, but Kaleolitis is pretty good. Um, I thought you were talking Le'Veon Bell, quite honestly. 
Well, early rumors are is that he has not yet reported, although they, mm-hmm. obviously they are on by this week. But uh, you never know. I mean, he's been a, a bit of a tough guy in the past. So Yeah. <laughs> I said I didn't buy week seven. Did I not say that? I said that a while ago. I stand by it. If he comes on, comes back for week seven, I'll eat my words. But I'm still saying week 10. And then even when he's back, I would not be shocked if he suffered one of those coleolitis type injuries. Well, if if you are Mike Tomlin, if you're if you're uh, if he does come back week ten rather than week seven, do you even play him at that point? Do you, you, do you risk him getting injured? Or? Yeah. This is a what have you done for me lately league? If they're out of the playoffs, no. If they're in the hunt, yes, they're going to play him because they want to win. So yeah. that's what it comes down to. But that's why I don't think he's going to put himself in that position. I think he's going to have a mysterious tweak of a hamstring or back strain or blue flu, whatever it is. It just seems really awkward that he would choose to come back in week seven rather than week ten. I mean, if you're coming back in week seven, why not come back in week four or week eight or week nine? Right. Yeah, well, because almost a million dollars a week—that's the only reason. But um, so you're talking that's three million dollars, right? Between four and seven, seven and ten—that's six well, million. He's already given up what six million dollars over the first six weeks. Then? Yeah, exactly. Just about, just shy of it. But anyway, so normally we have a segment that we discuss. Before we go into our DFS, this time we're going to go a little willy-nilly. I'm not going to say we don't have a segment, but we're going to kind of just act like we're at the bar having a discussion. And who better than to start that discussion off with, with somebody that was in the news um, who you poked fun at for not scoring touchdowns in Julio Jones. Yeah, you know, it's uh, become a bit of a running gag across the league. Uh, when is Julio going to score a touchdown? And, and people are wondering now, is it possible that he could possibly go all season without scoring a touchdown? And it, it just gets more and more absurd each week as like backup tight ends score and third string running backs score. And it's like, I mean, yeah, now we're looking at guys like Russell Gage possibly and Justin Hardy, who was targeted seven times, came close to scoring last week. Yep. So here's what I've said. I know you saw what I've tweeted not sure if anybody listening has or hasn't, but to me, it's all about perspective. Okay. After six weeks, Julio Jones is on pace for zero touchdowns. He's also on pace for 117 catches for 1,885 yards. I believe that's in, impressive. I believe in full PPR, that's something like 305.5 fantasy points. Correct? Just say yes. yes. Okay. So now my question is. If you're in a, full, in a PPR, a full-point PPR league, whether it was Julio Jones or OBJ or Antonio Brown or whatever, if I could tell you, pre-draft, you're guaranteed to get 100 catches for 1,445 yards and 10 touchdowns, would you be happy with that stat line? Definitely. Guess what that stat line um, extrapolates out to? In terms of fantasy points, correct? Yes, in terms of fantasy points. Uh, it's got to be a pretty high number, I'm guessing, with that, that many yards. Um, 305.5 fantasy points. The same as 117 slash 1885 and zero. Well, I think, I mean, again, people are putting, like you say, I think you called it perspective here. Yes. Uh, people, people look at this, and again, it, it is a running joke. It, it is a gag. It is... Uh, a great uh, Twitter piece to uh, poke fun at on- online. 
But when you look at things, I'm looking right now uh, through week six here of the games that have been completed so far. Julio Jones is third in the league in targets right now. He is uh, one, two, three, fourth in the league in receptions. And he's second in the league in yards receiving. Only five behind the incredible Adam Thielen. It's, I mean, he's getting the opportunities. And again, when you add up all those points together, uh, based on uh, PPR, oh, this is a half point PPR scoring that I'm looking at here for this particular site. Uh, he's got 93.8 points in, in that format. And based on that, he is sitting as the number seven receiver overall, which when you think about things, he was probably drafted right around number six or number seven overall in terms of receivers uh, this season too. Yeah, and here's the other thing. This weekend, his, his, his line this weekend, 10 catches, 143 yards, no touchdowns, of course. That's a nice week, 24.3 points, right? Yep. Would you be happy if his line was 8, 103, and 1? Because guess what? In a full PPR, it's the same. It is the same. And, we, again, we specialize here, of course, in daily fantasy. That's one of the segments we do every week. So when you look at it from that standpoint, that is the exact same thing. You're getting that same amount of points because he had 100 points, so he's going to get the 100-point bonus. He got 24 points based on one-point PPR, which is standard on DraftKings. And, I mean, look, hindsight's a wonderful thing because one of the things we don't have is a crystal ball. Adam Thielen is absolutely on fire. He's going to he's he's set a modern day Super Bowl record with six straight 100 plus yard games to start the season. But I saw something today that just about made me fall out of my chair. I try to be nice and I try to be you know engaging with my Twitter followers or people that interact with me. So I didn't call this person anything bad. But I just thought to myself, he said Adam Thielen's better if I had to say so. Um, I'm sorry. I love Adam Thielen. You can't tell me there's a GM in the world that would take Adam Thielen over Julio Jones. I can't imagine what Julio Jones would be doing in that offense and vice versa. Yeah, quite likely. Uh, I, I'm, you kind of put me in a hard spot here because I obviously being a Vikings fan yeah, here too. I, know. I, I think that from a fantasy perspective – I feel more trustworthy in Thielen uh, because of the fact that not only is he getting the yardage and receptions, but he does also have four touchdowns. Now, but is he a better the, player? Is he a be- is he? If you're building a football team, is he a better player than Julio Jones? I think at this point he's coming close. I definitely I, think he's one of the top receivers in the league. I don't think he had. It's like saying, look, let's go back to um, To. Or Randy Moss. Let's say you use Randy Moss and Marvin Harrison. I mean, there yep. was there was a time where Marvin Harrison was 143 catches for how many yards and how many touchdowns, and he was statistically better than Moss. But if you look at them, they're not the same player. And everybody and their mother would take Moss every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And, and I, well, think, I think the one thing that Thielen has going for him a little bit over Julio right now is the fact that he catches literally everything. And when, when you look back at, at Julio's uh, target to percentage catch, and, and a lot of that is due to some inconsistencies that Matt Ryan had yes. over the last couple of years. Exactly. Uh, but, 
I mean, literally, Thielen has had three separate quarterbacks the last three years. And this year now, he's finally catching passes from a quarterback that you would typically deem a reliable quarterback, not not a premier quarterback by any means, but certainly a a bona fide step up from what he's had the last couple of years. And, I mean, to get consistently targeted 13, 14, 15 times a game, that was the production that Antonio Brown was getting three, four years ago during his prime with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Now, again, it, it, I think it's kind of semantics because uh, they're both great wide receivers. And they're if, if we were to redraft right now, uh, just based on wide receivers, I think that there would be a decent argument for either one of them going as the first wide receiver taken. I don't disagree with you on that. I really don't. It just to me, I'm, I'm, and I don't mean to take anything away from Thielen because I love him. I love his story. He's six two. He's two hundred two hundred pounds. He he's a legit receiver in this league, and he probably was underrated. And he's going to just have that chip that he plays with his whole career to earn his keep. But right now, his pace is one hundred fifty five catches for 1,899 yards with 11 touchdowns, and that's me rounding up to 10.6 touchdowns to 11. That's also a pace I don't think he can sustain. The same as I don't think Julio's going to sustain his 1,800-yard pace. They could, um, but anyway, it's splitting hairs. Again, it's all about perspective. That's well, all. Well, you, you just you hit it right on the head there, too, because, again, you, you, you pointed out someone on, someone on Twitter said, uh, saying that they'd rather have Julio than, Twi- than Thielen. Again, I think right now, personally, my personal opinion is that they are very, very close. But to instantaneously say, to make that choice that Thielen is better than Julio, yep. that, I mean, again, it might be the case, but it's not something that I would ever like just immediately say yes to do that, to that right. statement. And then how different is it if Julio has two touchdowns, which is not far-fetched for that to happen. You know, that's what I'm saying. The other thing is it's kind of like when you go to the waiver wire and you're looking for somebody to pick up and you see that Kyle Jusek, I'm sure I've screwed his name up, <laughs> scored 12 points, 12.8 points, right? I'm just making, yep. I'm making this up, total makeup. Scored 12.8 points, and you're like, yep, picking him up. And you find out he had three carries, two that went for touchdowns and the other for, you know, eight yards or something. Well, in the case of Jusek, most of his points actually came from uh, – I know, I know you're just throwing those numbers out there, but most of his numbers last week came from seven receptions. Right, which uh, again he he kind of took over as the pass catching running back. And again, you don't typically see a lot of uh, fantasy relevant fullbacks these days, but he basically stepped into the pass catching tailback role that Breida would have had right. last week, except for Breida obviously left with one of his gazillion injuries. And, and maybe I used a bad example, but just the point is, don't you don't just look at the points; you look at what the usage was, right? Yep. Or. You have a guy, I don't know, let's just go back to the Marion Barber days when he used to have a lower yards per carry. And I'm like, um, hello, go look at how many carries he has inside the two-yard line, right? And if his success rate's, say, 50%, those, those carries are going to kill his yards per carry average. And if he's converting them into touchdowns, what does it matter? You know what I mean? So it's like you have to look for context. Context and perspective are the two most important things that you can have as, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you bring up Barber because uh, he, uh, when I think about Marion Barber, I mean, I remember him from his uh, days at Minnesota. And, uh, but when I see him, I, I think about uh, another guy who was actually at Minnesota at the same time who came up to the NFL 
and had a similar short yardage goal line role with the New England Patriots, uh, kind of a thunder and lightning backfield in Minnesota uh, with Barber and Lawrence Maroney, yep. who had two great seasons with the Patriots, during which he probably had six or 700 total yards per year, but he had 12 or 13 touchdowns each year. Uh, the Patriots, of course, have been known to do this in, in odd museum, uh, basically in the past, guys like LeGarrette Blunt, 16, 17 touchdowns on probably 30 touches for the season. Yeah, I mean, the other thing you can do, too, is you can look at this comparatively to quarterbacks. Um, he hasn't had a good year this year, Alex Smith, but I know that I did an article, God, it might have been five, six, seven, eight years ago now, um, where I tried to let people know that they needed to convert running quarterbacks, convert their running yardage and running touchdowns into passing yards so that you can get a true apples-to-apples comparison of, say, Drew Brees, or, you know, a quarterback that stands in the pocket, Tom Brady, right? Mm -hmm. And Brady's going to throw for 4,800 yards and 33 touchdowns, right? What's that equal to points-wise? Okay, well, oh, Alex Smith only throws for roughly 4,000 yards a season, and that's not enough. I want a guy that's going to almost maybe throw for five grand. Well, guess what? Last year, let's look at Alex Smith's total. And this might this isn't cherry-picking. We picked him out before we had this, before we decided to record and said, let's just take a look at Alex Smith's last year and see what it would have equated to. So Smith threw for 4,042 yards last year. In today's day and age, that's not much, right? Yes. It's, I mean, okay, it's 4,000 yards, but it's not 4,500, it's not 4,800. It's 4,000 yards. If you don't, you know, you got to be in the 4,000-yard club, and he barely was there. But he ran the ball for... I believe it was 355 yards and a touchdown or something like that. Yes, 355 and a one. So convert that. All of a sudden, those 355, that's 35.5 points, right? To get yes. that from a passing perspective, you're going to add another 887.5 yards to his passing total. And then when you take the touchdown and add those points in, that means that Passing yards for apples-to-apples comparison, pulling out rushing yards, Alex Smith would have thrown for over 5,000 yards last year, 5,079.5 yards. Again, context and perspective. Yeah, fortunately, though, this uh, I should say unfortunately this year, the running performance by quarterbacks has been, uh, dare we say, muted. Yeah. um, I I was just kind of looking at this here, the – the top eight current running quarterbacks uh, this year, uh, Cam Newton. Yeah, I want to look has at Cam. Two hundred and eight yards and three touchdowns so far. Uh, Dak Prescott, whose numbers were inflated by yesterday's game, uh, is at two hundred and three yards. Deshaun Watson is also at two hundred and three yards, and probably sixteen point two broken ribs. Uh, Blake Bortles is fourth at one eighty eight. And then it really gets kind of scary after that because then you're dropping down to guys like Mitch Trubisky, Josh Allen, uh, Marcus Mariota, who, again, probably is uh, in the infirmary today. Uh, these these options at, for running quarterbacks this year, they're just not as good. They're, they, they're not producing like they did last year. Alex Smith, like we were talking about, has 68 yards rushing this year. Uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has 62 rushing yards this year. That kind of makes you sick. 
Yeah, I'm doing some quick numbers here. So go ahead, fill some time. I'll do some quick numbers here on cam real quick. Uh, if you, if you want to think about like guys with more rushing yardage this year than Russell Wilson, Tyrod Taylor has nearly twice as many yards as Russell Wilson on the ground this year, despite not playing the last four games. Lamar Jackson and Taysom Hill, basically wildcat quarterbacks who get one or two plays per game, have more rushing yards than Russell Wilson this year. Okay, this is going to be crazy. i got to double-check my numbers here because this just doesn't look right. Okay, so Cam has 208 rushing yards this year, right? Yes. So that's the equivalent of 20.8 points, correct? Yep, yes. So 20.8, and then you've got three touchdowns, which is 18 points. So that's 38.8, right? So if we're figuring, say, .04 yards per passing, so then you take that 38.8, right? Yes. Divide that by .04. That gives you another 970 passing yards. Correct? Yes. That sounds correct, correct, yes. So if you take that 970 passing yards, he has passed for 1,158 yards already, right? 1,158 divided by 5 gives you 231.6 yards per game. Extrapolate it out. Cam's on pace to throw for 3,705 yards and change. No, nobody and their mother's going to be very happy with that, right, if they're thinking and looking at analyzing the quarterback spot. Not at all. Convert his rushing yards and rushing touchdowns to passing yards based off those 38.8 points. That turns that 1158 and 970 into 2128. Right? 2128 yeah. in five games because they had their bye. Yes. Divide that by five. You're looking at Cam passing for 425.6 yards per game. Yes. Which is a 16 game pace of 6,809 yards. And what's really amazing about that is he's doing all of this with A, without his best receiving option in Greg Olson for most of those games. And his leading receiver right now is basically his tailback. Yeah. And, and by the way, I just figured out his touchdowns. Basically, if you want an apples to apples comparison, he would be throwing for 6,800 yards and 29 touchdowns this year. Mm -hmm. That's his pace after five games played through six weeks. But there's probably no one that's looking at his numbers going, I'm not real happy that I took Cam where I took him, which you shouldn't have taken a quarterback early. Anyway, that's for another day. Um, but that's, again, that's the context. That's the perspective. That's how you have to look at the numbers differently. Um, see what truly is baked into what you're getting and understand it. Yeah, and, and you really need to know, too, it's like I said, your scoring system. So if the only way that really can affect that negatively is if you're in a league where – you get uh, a full six points for a passing touchdown. Then that uh, kind of takes away a little bit of the value of, of the running quarterbacks. But when you're in a, in a league where a traditional touchdown thrown is either three or four points, the guys who can run for a touchdown, all of a sudden one rushing touchdown is the equivalent of two passing touchdowns. Yep, basically. Basically, yes. Or two rushing touchdowns the equivalent of three passing touchdowns. What what are the odds that we have a rushing quarterback or two among the uh, people we recommend for DFS this week? Oh, if we have them, we're not going to agree on many picks. 
<laughs> I was going to say, I, I kind of, I've forgotten a little bit. Uh, let me take a quick peek here. Um, I have two quarterbacks this week listed. I'm not telling you where they're listed, but I have two quarterbacks listed that could be conceivably uh, rushing positive. <laughs> okay. I'm going to now put where I was going to say five or six. I'm now going to put our match number at four as the over-under. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a weird week, so I'm going to say, oh, uh, no. I, I, you know, I think four is actually probably the right number, but I'm going to go under just because there's some oddities this week. Yeah, I won't be shocked if we're over. I, I think we could easily go six or seven, but quarterback is hurting, is, is scaring me a little bit. So I guess, you know, is there anything else you want to add on the perspective, the Julio part? I don't care if they score touchdowns. I want fantasy points. That's what matters. Well, and that's the key thing. And again, if you go to whatever website you're on, obviously uh, we're both huge proponents of my fantasy league, MFL.com. Yep. Go there. You can actually search your your league points, like or fantasy points by your player, rather than just uh, their touchdowns or rather than just their yardage. And you know what? That's oftentimes a much more useful statistic to go with because you know what? You might notice your guy got you 20 points one week. You might notice he got you 15 points one week. But maybe you're not really assessing the fact that, again, that 20 points was comparatively to other quarterbacks in the league putting up only 16 points, despite their numbers maybe looking better on paper. So something that doesn't look better to me right now, I just noticed, um, because, of course, I've got the game on behind me. When we sat down to start recording, I noticed that Aaron Jones had a touchdown, 17-yard touchdown (laughs) run. But it was evidently under review. Yes, uh, he actually was carrying the ball in his right hand or in his right arm as he went in around the pylon with his left foot. But his right foot and the part of his body that had the ball in it was on the outside of the pylon. So yeah, since it the ball go. itself didn't cross the plane in play. Yeah, the goal line doesn't go infin- infinitively around the world anymore like it used to. It's got to be yep. between the pylons. That Does Mike McCarthy hate this kid or what? Well, yeah, because they gave him one more carry, uh, basically first in goal at the one. They gave him one carry. He was knocked back for about a one-and-a-half-yard loss, and then on the very next play they went four wide to the left and threw the ball to Ty Montgomery, who scattered in for a quickie touchdown, rather than just letting Jones finish it off and give him a couple tries at least. But nope, not Mike Mike McCarthy. Um, Did did you see, before we get into DFS – did you see Terry Bradshaw's take? I saw it on Twitter about maybe 20 minutes before we got on air. Um, they were evidently asking, short short version of this, would you rather have Mike McCarthy or Aaron Rodgers? And Terry said, I'd rather have a great coach. I'd rather have McCarthy instead of Aaron Rodgers. He has to be on some kind of like medication or drinking. Oh, like, God, yes. Or, come on, I mean, seriously. McCar- Here's the thing. Mike McCarthy has been a successful coach because of Yes. The presence of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> exactly. Unbel- just, okay. With that, let's get into daily. Um, let's start a quarterback. Let's run with it. Let's see. You want to start us off? Well, I'm, I'm going to stay uh, right here with the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Yes. They're traveling to the New York Jets. Uh, his price tag is 6400 on DraftKings, 8000 on FanDuel. The Jets actually started the season really good against the pass, but over their last three games, they've allowed an average of 355 passing yards per game. 
to go along with eight total touchdowns during that span. So I have Kirk. I'm with you. I didn't see. I didn't, I. I guess I see where you say is a plus runner, but um, I didn't think that's who you would have. So he d- he doesn't count as one of my plus runners, though. He, I, then I'm two- shocked, man. Okay, because I know that my next two definitely don't fall under, fall under that part. Um, the only thing that scares me is that the game is in New York. That is the only thing that scares me. Yes. Um, but yeah, if I'm going to pay up for somebody, I think he's the best shot at paying up for him. So he's staying away from which running quarterback you staying away from. I'm going to stay away from the fleet-footed Tom Brady at yes! Chicago. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Come on. We're two for two. This is a weird week because there really isn't an obvious high-priced bad option this week. Do you see that? Uh, I'm, I'm... Yes, I do. I'm not looking at your other stuff. I don't want to get any clues to each other. Guys, but I saw that. Uh, I'm going to bench Brady on the road versus one of the toughest pass rushers in the league. Now, you can say that the pass rush underperformed going up against Brock Osweiler this past week. So, you, you know that the uh, monsters of the midway are going to be chomping yes. at the bit for it, a chance to, to get on Brady's bad side. I would say this is a perfect storm. I'm using little air quotes for the Chicago defense against Brady because Brady's coming there. Um, one, the heat index was like above 100 in Miami this weekend. I wondered how that was going to impact the defense from a stamina standpoint. Unfortunately, I didn't have the game, so I can't tell you if they were getting close or not. They're coming off. What they is, really weren't. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming off of what I'm considering a very bad loss. And coming back home, yeah, I'm expecting them to be full on. Mr. Brady's going to be in trouble this weekend. And I know I definitely wouldn't want to pay up for it. That's for sure. So my, my value can we play go, this week. Can we go three for three? I'm going to kick you if we go three for three. We might go three for three. I'm going with a guy who hasn't been a running quarterback that much yet in his short career here in the NFL. Oh, sure. But that's not... But he has been known during his collegiate career to be a very good running quarterback. And of, of late, he started to get a few more chances to carry the ball. That is Baker Mayfield at Tampa Bay. Yep. Mike Smith is out. But that doesn't mean that the Tampa Bay secondary suddenly got any better. That is true. Uh, you broke our string, though. You broke uh, our string. Tampa's best week, they allowed 334 passing yards. That was their best week. Every other week, they've allowed at least 350 yards and at least three passing touchdowns. Uh, Mayfield's come close to 300 in all three games they started. Uh, no reason to think he doesn't top 300 here and throw for at least two touchdowns. So I, I really thought that we might have been three for three when, until you said young career. Then I knew we weren't. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a great team to play a quarterback against with what they're giving up. Um, but there are two other teams that are pretty daggone close, um, and it's not the Steelers, but I'm going against the Saints, so I'm taking Joe Flacco at home as my bargain basement you know, value play. I do like Flacco a lot this week, too. He was actually one of my favorite picks this week, so no argument there. All right, let's go nail two out of three on running back now. I will start off quickly and yes. tell you Todd Gurley is in another stratosphere price-wise. And play-wise, and I'm not even thinking twice about it, he is absolutely going to be in my lineup no matter what <laughs> he's saying. You, you mean you didn't like seeing him not like, go for 40-plus fantasy points on uh, DraftKings? Yeah. For you, not going for you, I should say. I mean, his price tag went down on DraftKings after that performance. How mm-hmm. is that physically possible? I, I want to talk to whoever is doing the algorithms. And I know they're facing San Francisco 
uh, and San Francisco at in San Francisco. Oh, and they've been better against the run at home than they have been against the pass. But yeah. they give up a lot of pass catching yards too. They're, they're also they're also a top ten um, team giving up points to fantasy running backs this year. So yeah, I, I've got no problem starting Gurley and paying up for him. So we're three we're three out of four picks so far. I think we're going over. We I think we're destined to blow the over. Just like you know, at halftime of the game last night, there were a lot of people concerned that. Uh, they weren't going to hit the over in the uh, New England and uh, Kansas City game. Uh, yeah, I was just kind of laughing on that one because I knew it was going to happen. Okay. <laughs> so last Monday, I think I think it was Monday they played. Did Saints play last Monday? They did, right? Yes. Okay. There was a lot of overreaction to Alvin Kamara's very poor stat line with Mark Ingram coming back. Yes. And those people just need to take their face, dunk it in a thing of ice water, slap their self, have their mama slap them, something. They're going to be okay with Alvin Kamara, but not this week. I want no parts of Alvin Kamara, who's the second highest running back on the board. He's the third highest on FanDuel, playing against the Ravens in Baltimore when the Ravens are. They're not the worst team in the league for for running backs to face. They're the next worst team for running backs to face. Yeah, um, I actually did uh, check out that this morning, and only two teams are allowing fewer running back rushing yards per game than, than Baltimore. And they've only allowed one running back touchdown overall. I mean, that's rushing and receiving. Only one running back touchdown all season. Now, yes, he's Kamara. But here's the thing. You're paying 8500 on DraftKings. For $1,300 more, you can have Todd Gurley. Yep. I would take that differential any day of the week and 10 times on Sunday. Yeah, I just don't see three times value with, with Kamara this week. I think he could have a solid week. I, I don't even think I don't even think he gets two times value I this mean, week. you're looking 10, 12, 14 points. Be happy if you get that, but I don't think you're getting anything more than that. All right, let's see if we can make it three for three. I don't think we're going to make it three for three here. Um, but I kind of have a mini stack with your quarterback, with your value quarterback. And it's because I'm picking a guy that's really not going to play much Running back, I think he's going to be, have to be used as a receiver because it is Duke Johnson because they are depleted at receiver. Rod Streeter fracture in his neck doesn't require surgery supposedly, but they need a receiver and they need to get Duke the ball more. So I think we finally may see Duke pay off from that receiver role at the running back position. You mean you're not super excited about them signing Rashad Perriman? No, I'm not. <laughs> No, yes, uh, Duke Johnson actually did line up at receiver quite a bit this past week. I do like that idea of that play. It makes a sneaky stack because you can get some wide receiver production from the running back position. Um, the guy I'm going with at uh, my value play at running back this week is Tariq Cohen versus New England. Now, over the last couple of weeks, Jordan Howard has really been playing second fiddle to Tariq. Uh, basically, Chicago has started to go air Trubisky at least over the last two weeks. And I don't see that changing against the New England offense. You're going to have to throw the ball to keep up with that New England offense. Uh, Howard has zero catches in his last two games. He only has 10 catches the entire season. On the other hand, Cohen, Cohen has 14 catches for nearly 220 yards in the last, I'm sorry, 240 yards in the last two games, just through the air. He's going to be on the field most of this game as Chicago tries to keep up with 
the Patriots offense. Okay. I win that that position though because my guy's almost thirty percent cheaper than yours. But I agree with you that Cohen's a good play. All right, let's go to wide receiver. I'll let you lead us off. We need to get one for the over. I think we're going to wind go up with two. Uh, Adam Thielen at the Jets. I, I picked Kirk Cousins as my quarterback, so I got to pick Adam Thielen too. Yep. Six, six games, six 100-yard performances. Only one team has allowed more wide receiver receptions this year. This includes them allowing 33 catches, 411 yards, and four touchdowns to opposing wide receivers over the last two weeks. Not receiving yards total. That's just the yardage throwing to wide receivers. So we agree. I had feeling it wasn't even like, not, I'm not even going to think about it. He needs one more game to tie the NFL record outside of the Super Bowl era for seven straight with 100 yards to start a season. And I think that they'll make sure that that happens. The Jets, well, that is. You, the Jets, I mean, will make sure from? that happens. I'm staying away from a guy I think that you're going to stay away from, honestly. Um, love Drew Brees, but don't ever love him on the road out in the elements as much. So I'm staying away from Michael Thomas at that price. I'm, uh, I, I agree with that, not staying away from him. I actually chose DeAndre Hopkins this week. Okay. That's, and that's... I don't mind his DraftKings price, but he's at 8500 on FanDuel, which is just way too much. Yeah. In their last 22 regular season games... Jacksonville has allowed more than one wide receiver touchdown three times. Yeah, so if I was playing the FanDuel slate and we were doing one for each, I probably would have avoided him over Thomas because it is only a $100 difference. But DraftKings is where I tend to favor. And seeing him at 69 versus 79, that thousands why I pulled the trigger on Thomas. Um, and like I said, Breeze out in the elements against a Baltimore defense that I think is for real. Um, he could have a tough go this week. Well, let's stay in that very same game with my value play this week. I'm going to give a little hookup for your uh, quarterback, your value play quarterback. I'm going to go with Willie Sneed. Okay. We got here, we've got the revenge game factor going up against New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans actually struggles heavily with inside receivers, and, and Sneed has been lining up in the slot a lot for Baltimore this year. So I think he's going to have that advantage there. He's not going to be shadowed by Marshawn Lattimore by any chance of the imagination. Uh, over the last few games, Snead, I should say, over the last four games, Snead has five or more receptions in each of those games. He actually is uh, hes outpacing John Brown recently in terms of uh, number of catches. Now, Brown obviously has more yards because he's got a couple of long, long touchdowns. But in general, Snead has been the more effective option in that team over the last four weeks. See, I find it interesting. You went with a value play that matched my value play quarterback, I'm going with a value play that can't catch um, that matches your value play quarterback. So I don't even tell you who Antonio Callaway. Yes. Um, at some I, point, I almost went up. I almost went Callaway. At some point he has to be able to catch the ball. I and mean, he's got a, he's got a pretty decent matchup this week against Tampa Bay. So if I'm going to roll the dice, he's even more money than your guy, which is odd. Cause I'm usually much cheaper than you. Um, I just, the odds have to favor him finding a way to catch a couple of balls with those stone hands. I don't know if anyone, uh, again, people who follow us on Twitter might get a kick out of this. Uh, <coughs> I took the scene from, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, it, it was the, you want to Scott Bakula as the quarterback for Texas state or whatever. Uh, uh, and they had Sinbad in it, but, uh, uh, basically he's going to throw the ball. And everyone said, don't throw it to feather. Don't throw it to feathers. 
throwing her, don't throw at the stone hands. Yeah, don't. <laughs> I mean, everyone was joking online about who, who possibly has worse hands than Callaway, and my first thought was Troy Williamson, our former first round pick here in Minnesota. <laughs> yep. So we're over. We, we've got five, so that's good. Let's see if we can do any damage at tight end. Um, because if it wasn't for quarterback, we'd, I'd be pushing to try and get that fourth one. I did not think we were agreeing at all on quarterback based on what you said to start it. Um, for my payup, I had two guys that I was not sure about of who I wanted to pay up for. So at the end of the day, I, I'll show you where I circled it if you want to see it. I decided to pay up for the more expensive guy playing at home with a quarterback that seems to do a heck of a lot better at home, and I think he's starting to find his own groove, and the team's starting to get their, their swagger back. But I'm paying up for Zach Ertz instead of Eric Ebron, which is who I was considering. Oh, I still don't trust Eric Ebron. He, yeah, he's scored in a couple games now. I still don't trust him. I know you don't. <laughs> I know you don't. I'm looking for regression. That's why I decided to go to Ertz, because at a minimum, Ertz is still going to catch eight, six, eight balls, could have catch as many as ten. So who are you paying up for then? Well, I'm, I'm going to pay up for Rob Gronkowski. Oh, 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 go ahead. So here's the inside scoop on this. The Bears don't give up a lot of yards to opposing tight ends. That's just a fact of life. But what they have done is they've allowed a tight end to score in four straight games. Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Allen, yeah. <laughs> Gronk sure looked healthy uh, yesterday. Yeah, he's a bull. Um, it's funny that you're playing he, Gronk. He Vance McDonald, that one guy. It's funny that you're playing Gronk because that's who I'm avoiding at that price. <laughs> I'm already avoiding Brady. I'm not saying that Gronk can't go off because he can go off any given week. I just don't think Brady's going to have the time. We've already seen how some teams are playing Gronk this year, making it a little bit tougher for him to get his. And if it weren't for those two plays, which I know those plays count, he didn't have such a good game yesterday um, in, a, in a game that scored 40 points, 43 points, actually. Yep. So at that price, I want something that's a little bit more of a sure thing where I'm not worried about the quarterback not having time to sneeze in the pocket. So now it's going to come down to can we get six with our value play? Oh, who was your state? You stayed away from Gronk? I'm staying away from Gronk. Yeah, who are you staying <clears> away from? I'm going to stay away from Greg Olson in his second game back at, going to Philadelphia. Uh, they had Last year they faced Washington at home. That one game they gave 140 yards and two touchdowns to Washington's tight ends. Outside of that, over the last year and a half, they're allowing an average of 3.7 catches and 32 yards to opposing tight ends at home. Not a single tight end other than those two scores by Washington has been allowed in Philadelphia since then. Okay. So my value play, I'm about ready to change it, quite honestly. I don't know why, but I am. Because, one, I want us to agree. I'm just going to tell you who I had. And then I'm going to tell you who I'm moving to. Because I, I think I was playing, getting too cute with this, who I had. I was going to go with Charles Clay. Because it's just horrible. He's just cheap. <laughs> <laughs> There's not, I mean, Peterman has to throw it to somebody. You never know where it's going to wind up. It could wind up in Charles Clay's hand because he thinks he's a defensive lineman or something. I don't know. But no, I'm not going to go with Charles Clay. I'm changing that. I'm actually going to go with a guy that probably is priced higher than I normally would like for a, a value play. But he is facing one of the most generous, if not the most generous, tight end teams that you can face. And I'm going with the Browns, David Njoku. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Glad I changed. We have, 
we have a winner. He is my value hookup between him and uh, Baker Mayfield. <clears throat> you know, since Baker Mayfield took over, Nyoku is fourth among tight ends in targets. He's fifth among tight ends in receptions, and he's seventh among tight ends in receiving yards. Also, you know, thanks to Tampa Bay holding Austin Hooper to a measly nine catches for 71 yards and just one touchdown, the Bucks they finally moved below the 100-yard-per-game average to the position. Uh, as of today, the Bucks are only allowing 97 yards per game to the position. There you go. And that's bad. We already know that the, that the Browns' receiving core is depleted. So, Duke and Joku. How, how many balls can bounce off of Callaway's hands into Nyoku's hands? I'll set that over under at two. <laughs> Possibly, yes. And it could be the over easily. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we had a good week. Six of them we agreed on. Um, I'm not sure I qualify your guys as running quarterbacks, Baker. I get it, but anyway. It, it was meant as a joke more than anything because of Brady's. Uh, yes. In fact, he always seems to get like six or seven rushing touchdowns, but he yeah. only has like last 17 night, yards at the end of the year. Last night, was his, last night was his first non one or two yard touchdown run. It was like six yards, and it was like that was a touchdown based on the fact that a defensive player was afraid of a penalty. Yes. It was one of the, well, he is a rookie, but still it was, it was one of the, like, just, I mean, it looked like a high school player out there just getting psyched out of his shoes by Brady. So anyway, okay. Um, Good game. Good game. Good week. Good show. Good luck this week. Um, make sure people, if you're not following him already, follow Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Go ahead and dig into our old tweets. You can see what we were talking about with Callaway and Julio and Stone Hands and all the other good stuff that we discuss. And um, if you happen to go to iTunes and listen to us there, make sure you rate us, review us, and all that happy good stuff. And until next week, get blitz responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>